Welcome to the House of Cinema podcast. I am your host, Joe Aragon, with me, Clara Curtis. And in the house today, a celebration of 100 episodes. One, zero, zero. We have done it. We have made it, Clara. Yay. How are you feeling? I am going to say something that I just said to you yesterday when we were recording, but I wish I had a birthday kazoo to like <laughs> to, to, to be like woohoo <laughs> to celebrate i know like yeah. little, okay what are the things you spin and they make noise oh, like oh what are they called um s- spinners no <laughs> there's no way they're called spinners are they uh i don't i don't know i just made that up oh okay okay i wish i had some type of celebratory spinners because 100 episodes it's a lot of episodes it is. I think, okay, I think those are just called, like, noisemakers. Oh, you're probably right. I just Googled noisemaker, right. and it pulled up, like, a little value pack with my birthday kazoos and oh. little spinners in it. So I think there's just kind of a universal noisemaker name. Yeah, I wish I had some noisemakers. We've yeah. hit 100. That's, uh, like, that's like 100 hours of this podcast. Over that, I feel like most of the time we go a little over an hour. Yeah, usually about an hour and twenty minutes. So that's yeah. a lot of a lot that's of a... <laughs> my voice, a lot of your voice. At I this mean, rate, yeah. <laughs> that you're you're in it a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I started this podcast. Jeez, I think at the b- end of twenty nineteen, maybe. Mm-hmm. So here's a quick history of the podcast. Yay! I started this podcast with my good friend uh, Ernesto, or he goes by Ren. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually had a podcast before this. Oh. It was called The Unlucky Ones. Oh. And like the concept was we talked about movies that were unfairly judged or unfairly criticized. Or maybe mm. they, they lost some big awards. Mm-hmm. Some type of unluckiness to it. Yes. That lasted like 20 episodes. Okay. And then, you know, life happens. We get busy. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was like maybe early 2019. Oh, wow. Okay. And then we were like, all right, let's try this again. We rebranded House of Cinema and we started all over again. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously we we did about, I don't know, maybe about 25, 30 episodes together. Mm -hmm. And then he had other priorities in life and he had to move on. And that was okay. I knew I wanted to continue this. Yeah. And then I kind of just juggled guests until that point, and mm-hmm. uh, now we're here. We're here, and you are the permanent co-host. I have other guests oh. that you know swap in to talk about other things, but yeah. it's you know you and I until this podcast goes up in flames, or who knows what happens <laughs> until we lose the ability to talk to each other on the phone. <laughs> true, true. So we are at a, at episode hundred. It's been. A bumpy ride, you know. Podcasting yeah. isn't easy. No, this it's not an easy uh, endeavor. And no. I think a lot of people, you know, there's like that that really funny like every guy with a microphone has a podcast. Yeah, which is half true. Yes, it's not not true. No, totally. Um, but to go 100 episodes, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but it's 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 an achievement that I'm really you, proud of. Yeah, you should be you should be tooting. <laughs> it's... <laughs> <laughs> and you i i didn't I mean, oh. I'm, not, I'm not gonna say i poached you but you were this is like your first podcast either no it was not i also have uh quite a few episodes on cinefleck which was lovely and a wonderful time um and our format was more like we picked a movie and then we like paired it with like a drink although Ooh. i'm 
I don't know anything about that, so Ethan, the actual <laughs> host of the show, would do that part, and I would maybe sometimes Google, like, drinks themed after Moonlight, and then <laughs> that was my contribution. Very um, nice, very nice. But that was super fun, and then I got super busy, and I was kind of the one who had to be like, I have to step away for a bit, like, I was doing school at the same time and work full-time, and I was just like, this is too much, like, I gotta take a break, and then, um, so I stepped away from that, and then... We kind of just stumbled into each other by accident on TikTok because I wanted oh my you God, to a roast. Crazy story. I wanted you to roast my letterbox profile, and then you were like, "No, I can't. I'm a big fan of you. Also, I haven't seen any of your top four. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "This is so true." Claire yeah. and I met on TikTok. Yeah, and it was like my infancy in TikTok. I had like yeah. what, five thousand followers, maybe six thousand followers, something like that. I was doing letterbox roast, which is still popular. Mm-hmm. People still do it. Oh yeah, that's a big deal. I don't I don't want to say like I pioneered it or like I started it. Mm-hmm. But I definitely was maybe there towards its infancy and helped make it a little bit more popular. Yeah. And yeah, Clara left a comment and was like, roast me. And I checked their letterbox and I was like, I don't know any of these movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course it said like there were a, a co host on Cineflex, and I was like, oh, I listened to that a couple times here and there. Yeah. So we became friends, mm-hmm. and one day I shot my shot, and I was like, hey, Clara, you want to be a guest on my podcast? And they yeah. were like, oh, I don't really want to, but I guess I will. That's not true at <laughs> all. What are you saying? You're right. I'm spreading lies. Uh, Liar. Clara said yes, and yes. that's the rest is history, I guess. Yeah. Our first episode no. together was a Harry Potter episode. Was that it? Yeah, it was when we uh, ranked them. When you were doing that, like, I think, what was that? Like a month of Harry Potter? And then you yeah, did, like, yeah. a, f- a big ranked. And then you were doing episodes where, like, you were doing, like, individual movies, Individual too. movies, yeah. Um, and we ranked them. And that's the first time I ever dunked on you with my knowledge about a, <laughs> about a <laughs> fandom. <laughs> so true. So true. Yeah. And yeah. the podcast has gone through so many iterations, like... In the beginning, I was just talking about random movies. Then I was doing like recent movies and drafts. Like it's just gone through so many transformations. And I feel like yeah. finally the last three months, it's really kind of settled in and like mm. what I like to talk about and the formatting. Mm. It's really worked well. I have a great group of people who like to join. So yeah, I'm really happy yeah. with where the podcast is at. I'm excited for our future. It is episode 100. Yes. And to celebrate that, this is a Q&A episode. I posted Yay. on Instagram, hey, throw any questions you want me to answer uh, that Claire and I could answer on the podcast. It was even anonymous, uh, mm-hmm. which some people used to ask if I was like religious, some weird questions. Which, spoiler, um, n- neither of us are religious. <laughs> yeah, if you, if for the person who asked, uh, neither of us are religious. Respect no. if you are. <laughs> Um, well, but uh, no, that's well, just me. respect if you are, if you are not uh, <laughs> hindering anybody's personal freedoms. Yes, there we go. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but neither of us are religious. No. But there were like 70 questions that we got that yeah. were fantastic. Amazing. So many questions, which we can't do them all. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we can't. And I like to point out, I posted this and I text Clara, hey, I just posted um, the Q&A to get questions. And Clara was like, what if we only get like five questions? <laughs> like the cynic they are. Yeah, it was a Assuming really bad cynical moment for me. <laughs> we get five questions and I like literally 
five minutes later, I sent them a screenshot of like the 20 questions that came in. Yeah, like instantly. And so I was like, oh shit. And then you kept sending me little updates. Like we just got more. We just got more. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? So we have about 70 questions. We we wrote them all down. Yeah. We're going to try to get to all like the really big ones, interesting ones first. And then we'll get through like some of the fun ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all fun. But, yeah, yeah, they're all fun in their own ways. By far the question we got the most, Clara, mm-hmm. it was, what were the movies that inspired you to get into movies and to mm-hmm. talk about movies? Mm-hmm. This was asked like four or five times at least. Yeah. Do you have an answer? I do. I would say probably the, th- I mean, it's tough because like I, there's not really a movie that got me into the idea of reviewing movies necessarily. I would say like Letterboxd as an app is what got me into reviewing movies. Interesting. Um, Because I didn't, I watched a lot of movies before getting Letterboxd, but I never put it anywhere unless like I was in a room with people that asked me about movies, you know? Um, But I got Letterboxd at the beginning of 2019 before it got like really, really big. And I think that was a benefit, too, because it felt a little easier to just post on there then because, like, there weren't quite as many people using it. (laughs) Yeah. Now Um, it's crazy. Now it's, like, I literally went to the movie theater, like, a few weeks ago and I was wearing my Letterboxd hat and the person uh, ringing me up was like, oh, my God, I just got Letterboxd. It's so cool. And I was like, I've been on it for four years. (laughs) It's wild. (laughs) It's wild. Um, But in terms of, like, I, I would say, like, my movie that, like, made me realize that like movies are more than just movies you know it would be uh eternal sunshine of the spotless mind good choice good choice thank you what about you i feel you? like that would be on my short list Ooh, okay so i'm a little bit older than you yeah surprise surprise um <laughs> for me it was a big turning point where i realized movies were more than just you know moving pictures i can enjoy and move mm-hmm. on from but mm-hmm. uh, i was probably like 17 or 18 and the big ones for me were Little Miss Sunshine was a really big mm, one. I love that movie. I remember watching that and thinking like like crying and thinking about it and talking about it with like my parents and like or my uh, mom and just like really grasping it. Yeah. Uh, Shawshank Redemption was a big one. Mm, okay. Good one. Uh, I'm missing a big one. Hold on. Oh, Children of Men was a really big uh, one for me. Another good one. And I'm missing one more. I can't remember. Oh, Amelie. Amelie was a big Ooh. one for me. So the story with Amelie is uh, my ex-girlfriend in high school, she got it for me. And she was like, oh, I watched this great French film. You should watch it. And I watched it. And I was like, whoa, there are amazing <laughs> movies outside the U.S. Whoa. And it blew my mind. And it, from there on, I, like, I really wanted to dig more into international cinema and mm-hmm. like really just explore more of movies. So mm. those, were, those were the ones for me. I love the fact that... Because, like, my bit, when I saw Eternal Sunshine, I was, like, 17 as well. So I think that's interesting that we both were around the same age when we kind of had, like, the epiphany about it, where it's like, whoa. Yeah. I always find it pretty fascinating when people who are younger than, like, 17, 18 are, like, really into international cinema. I mean, it's great. Yeah. It's a good way to, you know, I think art is almost for everybody, no matter what age. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But, like, when I was 14, 15, 16... Like, all I cared about was playing, like, Halo 2 and, like, Halo 3 and, like, playing video games and going to football games on Friday and, like, awkwardly trying to flirt with girls. And that was, like, all I cared about. And it wasn't until I was, like, a little bit older, 17, 18, where I realized, like, these were I was really interested. Mm -hmm. So 
I know. I, I always find it interesting when like younger, younger people are super into movies. I I do too. I I mean, and I I mean, like you said, like it's exciting because it's like art is for everyone in different capacities. But it it is intriguing to me. Like if I come across like a fourteen year old who's like logging, like I'm trying to think of like a Tarkovsky's like, Mirror. Yeah, or like Come and See and stuff yes, like that. Yeah. And it's a little bit like. I mean, cool, you're engaging with stuff that's well-received and well-regarded, but it is a little bit of, like, I don't know. No, Maybe... no, I, this is a perfect, perfect response and a good segue to have a question later. Yay. But, like, I, I do think the rise of social media has been so influential on the younger generations. Yes. In so many different facets, including yeah, this one. Absolutely. Where they see people they maybe admire watching Come and See... And mm-hmm. all these really, you know, international Akira Kurosawa and Tarkovsky and mm-hmm. like Ingmar Bergman stuff. And so they're, you know, they're engaging with it at a younger age. Mm-hmm. The question is, how much are they actually able to digest? See, and that's what I was trying to say, but I wasn't sure how to word it in a nice way. And so you <laughs> put it perfectly. But that is always what I kind of ponder a bit about as well as like you're seeing them watch it and like they'll like rate it positively and like say like oh it was so good but it's like okay but like yeah it's like it is a a question of how much of this are you fully taking in like how how true is your ability to like look at the bigger picture when you're engaging with art on that certain level because it's like watching come and see is very different than watching even something from like the best picture nominations this year it's like those are totally different forms of film and it's like yeah how like i mean half the time when i watch stuff like that i'm like i don't know if i'm (laughs) uh getting this properly no exactly i think i mean i can't i can't judge anybody at all no of course not but i do think a large part of the younger generation who are engaging with this type of film at such an early age they are missing a larger part of the picture yeah When you get a movie like Come and mm -hmm. See that's about, like, World War II and the atrocities of war, Mm -hmm. you know, if you haven't actually spent time learning about World War II, how much are you actually grasping (laughs) from this this movie? Yeah. Well, and my thing a little bit, too, is is I feel like when you're you're jumping like that, you're missing out on a lot of formative film that is for your age. Yes, yes, yes. Obviously, like, we were growing up in, like, the 2000s where a lot of the stuff for, like, our age demographics was, like, you look at it now and it's like this is so like silly and like kind of like lighthearted but it's like I don't know like I feel like sticking to like my age demographic for a majority of like the time I was growing up was kind of beneficial in a way because it it does let you mature in a more natural way I would argue and like I think having such a like foundation that is like firmly within my own perspective like gives me the ability to now as an adult look at things on a bigger scale because like I have my baseline, you know? Completely, like, completely. I don't know if come and see is a good baseline for 14 year olds. <laughs> I don't think so either. Yeah. <laughs> when I was 14, there was not a single other 14 year old who was watching come and see. No. And like telling people, hey, watch this like really no. crazy war movie. But is that because... I didn't talk to those people or is Mm -hmm. it because, and this is the real reason, 
when I was 14, social media like this didn't exist. Yeah, we so, had like online forums and like half of those were really scary and like you didn't want to go on them because like adults would be like name, age, gender. <laughs> a- a- ASL, ASL. Yes. <laughs> so it's interesting. It is interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. We'll get to more of that later. Look I at the way we took later. that question. We took that in a very different direction. <laughs> well, no, it's, I think it's interesting. It's I think it's super interesting because it happens all the time, especially yeah. with like Letterbox now. People seeing yeah. like oh, this guy's logging this movie. I should watch it too. Mm-hmm. But like Incumbency is just one example. But like, what about movies that deal with like sex and yes. like gender and, and really complicated themes like that? Mm-hmm. I don't know how much you're really grasping as a 14 or 15 year old. And like that's just natural. Like as you get older, you you understand not only yourself better, but like the mm-hmm. world better. Oh, I have so many thoughts about this, but I know we're going to talk about it with that other question that's coming so up. True. So I'm just okay. going to I'm just going to yeah. save it. <laughs> but you're the I better agree. one of us. Thank you for pausing us. Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> This, this next question is a complete 180. Yeah, and I'm so excited we're doing this now. Um, user T Grail, mm-hmm. who T Grail, by the way, if, if this person's listening, has been a supporter since like the dawn of Cinema oh, Joe. So. Wow. Shout out to T Grail. That's so cool. They asked, What color lightsaber would you have and why? I have an answer. Do you have an answer? I have an answer, but I have okay. zero reasoning behind it. Oh, okay. Well, maybe you should go first. Let me hear. I would like to have a purple one. <laughs> what? What's wrong with that? No, there's nothing wrong with that. I just love that so much because like, it's just Mace Windu has a purple lightsaber. <laughs> oh, is it just Mace? I'm pretty sure it is because, I mean, originally there wasn't purple and then uh, Samuel L. Jackson was like, I want my lightsaber to be purple. Because <laughs> so he was, I think there's literally a video where he's like, what color lightsabers are there? And George Lucas is like, there's blue and then there's green and then there's red for the Sith. And he's like, well, what about, what about purple? And then George Lucas is like, maybe you can have purple. And then he got purple. Um, I like the purple one. The purple is cool. And I will say too, because of him, there is like actual expansion of lightsaber, like color and little lore that's associated with it. So like purple is honestly a really interesting one to pick. I like purple a lot. Does it mean anything? Does it mean like I'm like wise or like Um, talented or skillful? My understanding of purple, and this might be slightly incorrect because like this is part of like Star Wars lore that like I don't see a lot of in the books I've read and it's obviously definitely not in the films really so this might be like slightly off but my understanding of purple is that it's for Jedi who are Jedi but they are able to utilize elements of the dark side without like turning to the dark side like there's a level of restraint possible but they are willing to tap into that side of the force if it means they're doing something for the Jedi order essentially awesome What's your yeah. color? Oh, wait, let me um, guess. Oh, okay. You're yellow. Uh, how did you know that? I just I, I just know you so <laughs> well. Yeah. Because Ray had yellow, and I know you love Ray. Oh, I do like Ray, but it's not because of Ray. I like yellow because yellow uh, symbolizes, like, a really good balance of the force in terms of, like, uh, combat and then, like, uh, like study-wise, like, literature wise oh okay Um, they're kind of like a really clean balance of the two and i like that because like i am definitely not like a very combative person necessarily unless like i actually have to be um i'm definitely a little bit more on the intellectual side um so and so the yellow is cool and a lot i think the term for someone with a yellow lightsaber is like a sentinel 
And so oh. I'm like, oh. Yeah, so I, I I would pick yellow. Okay, good picks. Yeah. Purple and yellow. Yeah, we did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, T-Grail. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> What's the first movie you're showing someone who has just woken up from a 30-year coma? Yeah. I have two answers. Okay. Avatar, The Way of the Ooh. Water. Oh, the second one? Second one. You're not going to give them the base story no. at all? You're going to say fuck it? I just want them to like wake up 30 years later and put on glasses and be like, what the fuck is happening? And be like just blown out of their brains. The other one is Midsummer. <coughs> Whoa, that caught me off guard. <laughs> <laughs> Are you oh, wow. okay? Why would you do that to someone? <laughs> because, okay, so, so, so maybe I, I misinterpreted so this question floored. a little bit. But in my eyes, this question is, like, what would you do to just, like, shock them? Have you ever seen those questions? Like, okay. what what would you show a pilgrim now? Or Because oh, you want to, yeah. like, just, like, ruin their lives? Yes. That's how I interpreted this question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you say? Um, honestly, I was kind of going to do the same thing because I was going to say, let's show them everything everywhere all at once. Oh, just, good one. Very Which would be fun and it'd be very emotional. So I don't know if they're ready for that, honestly. No. They'd probably be so appalled by like the dildos and like all this stuff. You're so right. But I, I don't know because you have to think like 30 years ago when they went into the coma, it's like the 90s. <gasps> okay, oh 30 my years God. ago is not that long ago. Oh my let's... God. Do you want to know what I'm going to do actually? What? I'm going to show them Remember Me. The Robert Pattinson movie. <laughs> That's so fucked up. Because <laughs> they won't know what 9-11 is, and then that'll be how they find out what 9-11 is. Well, then why not show them, like, World Trade Center or, like, Flight oh. Flight U-93, something like that? U-93. I haven't seen those. So, I, actually, to be fair, I also actually haven't seen Remember Me. I just know what it is. But <laughs> but, yeah. I, but also, oh, I want them to see Robert Pattinson. They've never seen Robert Pattinson. True, 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 true. Yeah. Wow. Uh, wow, what a question. I know, wow. <laughs> TJ Darling asked, favorite childhood movie soundtrack? And mm. They said, mine was Shrek, Lion King, and Jimmy Neutron. Wow, that's a Ooh, that, those are good picks. I have two answers. Okay, tell me. Mulan is oh, my Oh, that's one a answer. good one. Okay. It's the best, I think. It's like Mulan or Tarzan are the best. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I also want to shout out uh, Hercules. Oh, Hercules is really good, too. Love Hercules. Those are my choices. What are yours? Um, I'm going to do a deep cut. <laughs> oh, Lord. How, what are we talking about here? I mean, okay. Well, first of all, I will say, like, any of the Disney movies, like, of course, I'm going to, like, those were absolutely a huge part of my childhood. I will also say that a big part of my childhood movie soundtrack was the Grease soundtrack. Okay, um, that's a good one. It's a good one. I love that. But that's not what I was going to say for my deep cut. My deep cut is the soundtrack from um, <laughs> Quest for Camelot. <laughs> I don't even know that soundtrack. Uh, <laughs> that movie is not good. Is it with the dragons? Yes, the two the the twin dragons that are conjoined and like, they is like, one like green, one purple. Um, no, I think they else. might. I think they're this. No, I think you're thinking of Dragon Tales. I am thinking of Dragon Tales. I love Dragon. Okay, actually, maybe I will change my answer to Dragon Tales because Dragon Tales theme slapped. Um, no, but Quest for Camelot the uh. The dragons in that, they are both, like, blue, but, like, one of them has, like, a really tall, skinny neck, and then the other one is, like, no neck. So it's, like, they're doing the, like, skinny and fat thing, which is, like, uh. are, you, are we being for real? Um, but my sisters and I were obsessed with that movie when we were growing up. 
Um, and okay. it it's not good, but it's amazing. Did you ever watch The Swan Princess? No, I don't think I have ever seen that, but I see it like on Letterboxd all the time. And I'm like, I don't think I've seen that. It's I haven't seen it obviously in years, but mm. that, I was obsessed with that movie as a kid. Good soundtrack. Also, I just had a, a crush on the female lead. She was okay. very pretty. So there that's probably go. why I watched it a lot. Nice. <laughs> uh, Luke is cool. Okay. Asks, this is a good question, I like it a lot. Mm. How does constantly watching films affect your enjoyment of them? Mm. Easy answer for me. Okay, tell me. I, I do get tired. And I feel yes. like people might assume I don't because we watch so much and consume yeah, so much. Uh, false. I get very tired sometimes, especially around the end of Oscars. I get pretty tired. Yeah. Uh, October, when October ends, I get pretty exhausted. I usually yeah. like binge so much horror. By the yes, time October is over, I'm like, I need a break. I need to yeah. like take a couple days off. Um, but yeah, I, I you know I don't watch a movie every day. Usually mm-hmm. I do, mm-hmm. but. Even like today, I haven't watched a movie today, and today's February seventh. I haven't watched a movie. There you go. Yeah, I, I can't. Well, it's a lie. I watched Magic Mike. Um, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I realize, I realize, I watched that earlier today. Anyways, I don't watch a movie every single day, and because I do get tired. Right. And I think that when you're exhausted and you force yourself to watch a movie, it's not that. Fun. Not it's not fun, and it does affect your like enjoyment of it. It does Absolutely. affect your headspace and how you're receiving the movie. Yes. How do you feel? I totally agree with that. Um, I definitely get burnt out too, and a lot of the similar spots you mentioned, where like at the end of October, I'm super burnt out because of binging a lot of horror movies. Um, and then around Oscar season, I'm burnt because I'm like, oh my god, I'm or I'm currently in a burnout right now actually because. In January, I watched 58 movies in a month. Um, oh, you did Sundance. And I did Sundance. And I did a lot of Sundance. I did like 18 movies at Sundance. So it's like 18 movies in a week, which is like, that's a lot. And that's that's a point of it too, where like the last few years, I've done Sundance. I've done Tribeca. I've done Seattle. I've done Fantastic Fest. I've done New Fest. Like I do a lot of... Uh, Uh, film festivals now because a lot of them give virtual passes and that's really fun but you know there is like a very small window to get those in and like I'm getting passes so I'm a little bit like I have to make that like worth the cost of a pass um so that burns me out hard so like today is the first day I've watched a movie in like four or five days just because like I watched um, the 40-year-old version, not Virgin. Oh, oh version. version. I heard it's good. It, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was really great. It's I In February, I, like, build myself a list of um, films by, like, black creators and, like, starring black actors and whatnot. And oh, just, amazing. like, do a full, like, Black History Month kind of thing every February. Um, so that was part of my list for this year because, like... It's great for, like, filling out my blind spots with, like, black cinema because, like, I definitely have, like, an, like, appalling amount of blind spots with black cinema specifically. Yeah. Um, so I watched that today and it was really good. Um, but I definitely need breaks. And it's also a little bit, like, it's easy in theory to watch a movie every day, but it's, like, I also have other hobbies. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, like, I mean, I we both play video games and, like, I like to read and... I do puzzles. Knit. 
I don't knit. I crochet. cross stitch. Cr- oh, cross, cross stitch. stitch. They're well, all I... different. <laughs> Are they all different? <laughs> My bad. No, it's okay. I didn't okay. mean to, to group all you guys together. I apologize to the you? knitters, the cross stitchers, and the crocheters. Yeah. I, I'm not good enough to knit or crochet, so <laughs> they're on a different level than me. Um, uh, but yeah, so I, I mean, and a lot of those in theory you can like do more. Like I cross stitch while I watch movies sometimes for sure or like. I'll do a puzzle while I'm watching a movie. But like you said, like it is a very much like a thing where if you are feeling like burnt out on movies and you're still just forcing yourself to watch stuff anyway, it's like you're you really are not going to like be there properly. Yeah. And like that to- like a perfect example that honestly is like my current ratings of a lot of Marvel movies are like not gen- like f- in good faith because I'm burnt out on Marvel, but I'm making myself watch all these Marvel movies and like that kind of thing, you know? And so now we're now we're <laughs> binging Marvel to do a, a Patreon, but I'm watching them in good faith now. Um, yeah. But yeah, it it's it's tough. Um, I mean, the other but then on the other hand, it's like I do feel like seeing so many movies really helps me know what I like. Yeah. Um, and it, I feel like it gives me a better vocabulary when I am talking about the movies I'm watching. Like yeah. And it is interesting, like, being able to take all the movies I've seen and then watch stuff and be like, oh, I see Chantal Ackerman in this, like, movie. Like, it's clear who was influencing this director as they were making this. And I think that's really cool. Um, but it is definitely a balance. And, like, like you said, like, it's very easy to get burnt out. <laughs> How do you feel about, and it, with the rise of social media and the internet, mm. I feel like I see this way too often, but like people who say, oh, I watched 90 movies in January or they watch, you know, 20 movies in three days. How do I say this without sounding rude? Okay. Uh, one, I usually doubt that person did. Yeah. If I'm being honest. Two, yeah. if you actually did watch 90, 100 movies in one month, again, how much are you actually digesting and how much are you yeah. actually taking the time to appreciate and understand it feels mm-hmm. like sometimes and this is natural because of social media mm-hmm. that people will say i watched x amount of movies or maybe they force themselves to watch x amount of movies yeah. for the clout for like look at me i watch all these movies right which do you see that often oh i i feel like yeah and like it's interesting because like there's definitely point like especially when the pandemic started and i was like I had lost my job and I wasn't working and I was just at home every day. I was watching a lot of movies every day because I'm like, I have nothing else to do. Like, this is honestly a little bit, like, nice, but also terrible because people are dying. Um, But it it is interesting because I've come to terms with the fact that if I want to watch, like, three movies in a day, they have to be, like, similar in theme or similar in, like, the same director or, like, the same franchise. Like, I'm not, I don't usually now like like clumping random stuff together because like you said it's it's like how are you properly digesting all this like media if you are just like throwing random things on back to back to back to back so like there has to be structure to it and i feel like a lot of the time with the people who are like i watch 90 movies in a month there isn't structure necessarily to that it's very like I just, I got to get my numbers up. I got to get my numbers up. And like, I'm definitely a victim of that. Like last year I was like, whoa, I watched, I think it was like 250 movies in a year, which on like, 
that is not normal. That's so many more movies than the average person. Yeah. But in my brain, I'm like, that's way lower than I normally watch. Like, I need to get my numbers up. But it's like, why? Like, why exactly. do the fuck? Why do the numbers matter? They really don't. Also, um, is it healthy? Like, <sighs> I know that there's like the go touch grass is like an insult. Yeah. But like, if you're watching 90 movies in a month or 100 movies in a month, mm-hmm. even like 80 or 70 movies a month. Mm-hmm. like that's more than a movie a day yeah i mean go for go for a walk man <laughs> i know get some air it, read a book yeah, it's interesting because like i feel like i'm in a lucky spot where like my work hours give me a lot of free time like i'm done working every day at two yeah so like i have a lot of day time hours to do the things i really care about which is nice but, like, it does make you wonder a little bit, like, what are other people's situations where they're able to do that? Because it's, like, I have a hard time doing that, and I have, like, what is that? I go to bed at, like, 10. Like, eight hours of free time every day, for sure. So, it's, like, how are you? <laughs> how I don't know. It's crazy. That? Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it Social media has made things interesting. Yeah. Let's transition to a different topic. Okay. Natalie asked... What is the singular movie you think everyone needs to watch at least one time? There's no <sighs> one answer to this. It's like impossible no, answer. No, there's so many answers that you can give for something like this. Like, do you pick something fun? Do you pick something, like, impactful? Something that's right. going to, like... What do you pick? Hmm. I don't want to be cliche, say Paddington 2, but, like, Paddington <laughs> 2 is, like, the good answer. Yeah, that is a good answer. Hmm. What would you choose? I know, I'm trying... I'm like, fuck... <laughs> Because I have, like, my gut reaction is Little Women. But that's just That's a good note. That's a good answer. A great answer. I, but see, this is where I'm conflicted because it's, like, if we're picking something that's supposed to be, in theory, like, the singular, like, must-watch, 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 I don't know if I love the idea of saying a movie that, like, there's no white people, or there's only white people, there's no queer people, like, it's, like, a very... Uh, singular focus movie and I love Little Women to Death and I do think it is a very applicable story to a wide range of people not just white Americans but then I'm torn because I'm like ugh <laughs> is that really a good answer why don't you so, just choose Twilight I also kind of really want to pick Twilight well but... because here's like here's there's two ways to tackle this I know you pick a movie that's like quote unquote good yeah or you pick a movie that's so culturally relevant and then will mm. always be culturally relevant yeah like so you could true. choose shawshank i think shawshank redemption is a good good answer because great not answer. only is it good that many people say it's great perfect mm-hmm. but like it's like in the fabric of culture in like film circles in yes. like regular circles yeah you can you just talk about it all the time so like it's one of those universal movies that like you should watch because at some point in your life someone will say Something about Shawshank. Mm, but that's, that's a good, a good argument too. for like Twilight. You really can't have a conversation with everybody in the world without having seen Twilight. I know it sounds ridiculous, but like that movie was such a pivotal moment in the culture. Yeah. You, you should watch it. Like, I, I don't yeah. care if you think it's bad or good. It was so important to what was happening at its time. You should watch it. I love when you're a twi hard. It makes me so happy. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's my argument for it. 
No, I agree. Yeah, maybe I will change my answer to Twilight. The other one I was kind of thinking was like, do the right thing. I oh, think is a really good beautiful answer. answer. I really, I think. Oh my gosh. What an I answer. feel good about that answer, actually. I think I want to say that. I love your answer. Thank you. Do the you. right thing is a one answer. I'm like floored. Wow. It's, it's perfect. Well, but Paddington 2 is amazing as well. That's it a is. very good answer. It is. But and I feel I like. Feel like our movies together are very good (laughs) do the right thing is yeah that's a movie everybody in this planet should watch wow what a movie yeah that's a good movie switching back to uh social media okay do you think the rise in popularity of film criticism through social media is beneficial to the art form Um, i feel like i know who asked this by the way but i'm not gonna say who Ooh, okay fun um not a bad way i I like this oh no but okay good yeah, obviously they wanted to be anonymous, so we'll respect their anonymity. Of course, of course. Of course, of course. Um, Honestly, I kind of lean towards the idea of no. I think any form of art, and r- film criticism is, in my opinion, an art because it is writing. And, like, good film criticism has a specific style to it. Like, the film critics that are at their best are ones that have a very specific style to their writing. Mm-hmm. And that's something that... It comes with work and effort that is not something that you can just like effortlessly have in my opinion I think it requires an understanding of writing as a craft and like a respect for writing as a craft um and I think those things especially get lost in uh the the franticness of social media which is all about brevity and uh immediacy and just being the first person to say something and like I love Letterboxd to death because I definitely use it as an outlet for, like, prop, like long-form film criticism. But, like, I think it is an interesting idea that, like, a bit, like, it is a social media app first and foremost. And so you do get a lot of, like, one-liners, which are funny. I'm not saying I don't, like, I hate the one-liners. I think they're very funny. Um, but I do think there's something to be said where, like, people get to a point where they're like, I don't care, like, what you think about the themes of a movie, like, I just want to read a joke. And it's kind of just like, uh, like, (laughs) that's not ideal. Like, I think if we're talking about film, I think to an extent, like, it's fun to meme movies, but it also is an art form that deserves our respect and greater attention and greater focus, which I think comes as a result of intentional film criticism, which I don't know if we get necessarily through the greater access that social media gives it wow well said that's my little rant (laughs) i'll add a couple things please do (laughs) i agree with everything you said Mm -hmm. i also think that because social media is inherently very competitive yeah like you said first one to say something i also think that social media is also inherently fake yeah a lot of what people are saying we don't know have they actually watched the movie or are they just basing it off what they've read on wikipedia or versus what someone has taken the time to write exactly and i mean there's been instances where critics plagiarize each other and like (laughs) they're just copying pasting stuff that they've read themselves and like it's hard to fact check that sometimes on social media because people aren't necessarily doing that when you're reading a social media post However, I will play devil's advocate. Please do, because I also like, I do agree with devil advocacy for this, (laughs) but I obviously went a different route with it. So please balance us out. (laughs) The the realm of film criticism has been so dominated by men, uh, specifically white men, that the rise of social media has provided a voice to a lot of people who probably wouldn't have voices otherwise. 
Yeah, I mean, me, I'm a good example of that. <laughs> yeah, and I think that because social media is so uh, universal that so many yeah. people connect with so many people, it has given a voice to minorities who never had that chance in the past. Yes. And I think that it's given so much opportunity to those people. It's, it has helped in some sense. Yeah. I've seen a lot of great film criticism through social media mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have seen before because they don't get the opportunity to really voice their opinions. Mm-hmm. This is so true. And I I mean, it, it kind of speaks to the same thing that streaming does where there's that conflict of it's clearly having some negative effects on the industry, but it also gives people access to movies on a greater scale. And like access is like universally like crucial. Yeah. And like it, like you said, like it's the same thing with social media, where like it does give everyone a uh, more access to the ability to share their thoughts and like learn. I mean, how else are you really going to learn film criticism without engaging with film critics on like some level? And exactly. social media makes it way more attainable. Way more attainable, and mm-hmm. because the space of film criticism is so is so hard to get into. You know, at least social media gives a lot of avenues for people who want to at least try to get into it and test it out. And this and is really very true. Discuss with other people, even if it's not like on a professional level, you know, even if you're not speaking with the the primary critic of some big publication, at least right. you're like you can have the chance to air out opinions. And, you know, sometimes yeah. those opinions are closed minded and sometimes those opinions are frankly bad. Mm-hmm. The fact the matter is. Social media has allowed people who have never had the chance before to voice those opinions. Yeah, which is, yeah. So which the answer is, is a good thing. Exactly. Which is like the answer then is yes and no. <laughs> exactly. It's yes and no. I don't think there's a right answer. I think it's just no. a good good uh, question to discuss. Yeah, I think I think that's the important thing too is as long as you're, you're questioning that, I think then that good can come from it. I think if everyone's just blindly like, of course it's perfect, or like, of course it's terrible, then like either side of that spectrum is not beneficial to the conversation. Like the fact that you're even having the conversation is what matters. Exactly. Another big 180. Yay. (laughs) Who's your favorite Disney sidekick? (laughs) Uh, I have um, the answer. I have the best answer. I think my answer is good. My answer is Pacha from Emperor's New Groove. Oh, fuck. Okay, yeah, you win. <laughs> <laughs> Who's yours? I was going to say uh, Pascal from Tangled. I love Pascal, though. I love Pascal so much. Do I. I was going to say Mushu. I think Mushu's Ooh, better than Pascal as well. Mushu is a good one. But I mean, Pacha, Emperor's New mm, Groove is so good. That is a good one. I feel like the most <laughs> prevalent Disney sidekick in like pop culture now though is olaf do you think he deserves the spotlight like that okay i said ugh, but i like olaf i do i think he's fun he's super fun (laughs) he is fun (laughs) i'll be honest the summer song is very clever it's a very clever song it's very fun his (laughs) obliviousness to situation it's fun i like it. yeah it it is very fun Mm. next question (laughs) i love this question so much what is your favorite movie-derived meme? Movie-derived right. meme. Okay. By the way, I asked Clara this question, and they were like, eh, I don't like this question. <laughs> but I forced them to Google it. I did and, my work. And now they like it. <laughs> now I like it. Because I have I had an answer when we were talking about it before we started recording, and then actually as we've started recording, I changed my answer. What is your answer? <laughs> Bella, where the hell have you been, Loka? <laughs> <laughs> 
That is such a good one. Thank you. How could you not like this question when that answer exists? Because that didn't come to me naturally when I read the question. When I read that question, I just saw white noise, static. It's just head empty, no thoughts. Well, it's just like, I'm like, oh, no, not the movie. I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know an answer. But then now I feel What was your other answer? My other answer was the how TikTok turned the chess scene from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone into a big meme, but it's like a full monologue you have to do to do the meme, and I think oh, that's Oh, really the funny. chess scene. Yeah. That's a great scene. Not me. Not Hermione. <laughs> you. you. He's going to sacrifice himself. <laughs> no, Ron, you can't. <laughs> Uh, those are good ones but what is yours because you're you're more excited about this than me so i feel like you have a really good answer i was going to choose the robert pattinson behind the scenes of uncut no of good time where he's just standing in like the kitchen in his tracksuit just staring (laughs) yeah yeah that is a good one it's a good one Uh, i like that one ma the movie ma with octavia spencer yeah her memes are great the ma memes are beautiful um the confused John Travolta from Pulp Fiction, I think, is still very funny. <laughs> where he just like walks around, very confused. Yeah. The marriage story meme with Adam Sandler, sla- yeah. Adam Sandler, Adam Driver, <laughs> slamming the wall. Every day I wake up. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Thank you. I do practice that a little bit. I'm like, it is really fun to say that line. <laughs> Uncut gems when Adam Sandler says, "This is how I win." You can yeah. apply that to a lot of things. That's a good one. Um, have you ever seen the B movie memes of like the oh. entire B movie, but every time they say the word yes. B, it speeds they speed up. They it up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when people used to uh, copy and paste the entire B movie script into things and like send it to you, and you just get like your devices crashed because it's no? the entire. B- You've never see. This is another good example of our age gap because the B movie script plagued me in like college. That was like a thing. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. It was a good time. I'm just reading off a bunch. Uh, the Little Women it. meme when Timothy Chalamet is like, "Why can't you?" and Saoirse Ronan's like, "I can't, I can't. I've tried. I just can't." Oh, the hill scene! Oh my god, the beautiful scene. moment. I know that uh, scene. The one I see this photo on Twitter a lot. It's very popular on Twitter. Mm. it's like when a boomer makes a joke and someone will just post the scene from Joker of like Arthur Fleck just standing at the microphone, like staring at the audience, like, <laughs> look at me, I'm so funny. <laughs> that That's is a good, a good one. one. That is a good one. That's about it. I think if I pick one, I really like your Twilight one. Thank you. I'm going to go with Robert Pattinson's staring aimlessly in yeah. like a kitchen behind the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that is a good i mean yeah that's that's a good one i like that one too amazing okay okay if you were on a first date what movie opinions would be your biggest red flag so this is an interesting question because when i was not out i had plenty of answers to this because i was going out with men but now that i like women i don't really have any women can like whatever they want they (laughs) (laughs) i don't care they're they're fine (laughs) Here's my answer to this. Okay, tell me. I don't think I judge people on their taste per se. Yeah. Like if they say, I like this movie, I'm not like, ooh, red flag. Unless they're Uh like liking like problematic movies. Yeah. But like, it's why they like a movie that's really important. That is the correct answer. If they say they like Wolf of Wall Street, why? 
do yeah. they idolize Leo? That's a red flag. Yes. Yes. If they say they like 500 days of summer, why? Do they think that summer is in the wrong? Red flag. Yes. Absolutely. If they like Scott Pilgrim and they say, I just relate to Scott Pilgrim, that's red a red flag. Red flag. Red flag. <laughs> red flag. <laughs> so it really depends on why they like the movie, not so much that they like the movie. You see, that's the right answer. There we go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Okay. Perfect segue. Movie you can't stand and why? I have an answer. What is it? This is also such a hot take. <laughs> what is um, it? Promising Young Woman. Oh, that's not that hot of a take. Okay, that makes... Oh, well, I don't know, because I got some comments on my review that would shock you. <laughs> I think that there is... A, well, I'm not shocked by those comments, but I feel yeah. like that movie was one of those like popular... Very polarizing. Yeah, polarizing, but also kind of like faux feminist movies. That's exactly my beef with it. Yeah, that's. A, yeah. I don't think that's too of a hot take, but like... Okay, that makes I guess me people, It might be a hot take to people first hearing that but i think once you dive into why people feel that way it makes complete sense yes i agree okay mine's not as better. deep as yours oh what is it mine's tusk yeah you really don't like tusk it just it, it there's been very few movies that make me feel so uncomfortable and tusk <laughs> is one of them like this is... <laughs> it makes my skin crawl i ha- i hate it i hate thinking about it i hate that it's in my memories i, I wish i could take it out of my brain if Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind Machines were existing, yeah, I would get it erased. I wish I'd never watched it. I love this crusade of yours against Tusk. I think it's so fun because it's... I've I've seen Tusk and it doesn't cross my mind ever. Like I don't think about Tusk at all until I'm with you and you mention <laughs> Tusk and I'm like, oh yeah, Tusk. <laughs> I hate it. Every time I think about it, it just makes me so ugh. The ending makes me like want to die i hate it yeah not good um you want to know what else i can't stand actually what i really don't like a lot of early like west craven stuff like Like the last how the last house on the left Mm. and like honestly early hills of eyes not a fan that's fair um but that i mean his stuff is tricky because like a lot of his stuff kind of blurs that line between like the erotica genre and like exploitation genre and yeah. then kind of just accidentally falls into mainstream because it's Wes Craven. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so that's a tricky, like I, I just don't like those, but it's that tricky thing of like, okay, but like it's not like Wes Craven was purposefully wanting the wider world to watch his like rape revenge movie or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that one's tricky. You have good... Those are good reasons. Those are all great reasons. Thanks. Wow, thank you. Uh, people probably expect me to say Marmaduke, the animated Netflix I one. actually am a little surprised you didn't bring up Marmaduke. <laughs> I, my hate is so well known for that movie that like... True. Yeah, of course I can't stand it. Yeah. Another one you can't stand is Cars 2. Oh my god, I should have chose Cars 2. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised also that you didn't say that. <laughs> you know what? I also, I'll add Cars 2. I think I don't okay. like Cars 2 more than Marmaduke, if I'm being honest. Whoa! <laughs> Because that at least, like, feels... Marmaduke doesn't try to, like, prance around as a good movie. And Cars 2 does. <laughs> That's my issue with it. Like, people actually like that movie. And I'm like, I get it. You liked it as a kid. But yeah. it is so, so bad. You're so Toe Mater is honestly the worst thing that has ever happened to Pixar. The worst. <laughs> I, oh, there's a line in Cars 2. Oh, my God. When, tell me. 
Michael Caine's car character goes uh-huh. like, mm, by the way, my name is Michael Caine, special intelligence. And Tomater's like, Tomater, average intelligence. I want to fucking shoot my brains Whoa. out. Whoa. Wow. Oh, my I God. I hate it. I go hate it off. so much. Go off, oh. go off, go off. My blood is boiling thinking oh, about it. Oh, I'm trying it. to think if I have... Oh, you want to know what other movies I can't stand, actually? Lyle the um, Crocodile? He's also a piece I of shit. I haven't seen that. You don't like him. I love that you have, like, a little, like, uh, <laughs> tri-group of, like, enemies. <laughs> like, these are your enemies, and I think oh, that's yeah. so fun. Um, yeah. I really don't like a lot of Lars Van Vaughn. Oh, true movies? Yeah, like, The House That Jack Built, I Can't Stand. Mm-hmm. That's um, fair. Antichrist, I can't stand. Do you know the fun um, fact about that movie, though, right? That <laughs> Willem Dafoe's dick is, like, too big t- to be in the movie, so they had to yeah. give him, like, a smaller dick prosthetic. Yeah, yeah, I do know that fact. That's the only thing that matters. <laughs> that is matters truly that the movie. only thing that matters. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, that's so funny. Wow, what a question. Yeah, we went off on some movies. Sorry, everyone. Yeah, I'm usually a really, I love movies. There's a really yeah. nice comment that someone loves saying, I love that you just love, you and Claire love movies. And right now we just nice spent comment. five minutes trashing some. I know. We're well, only human. Uh, we're only human. And my thing too is, is like, I don't like those movies, but I, and like, I would never ever go out of my way to rewatch them necessarily. But if like someone that I enjoy in my life came to me and was like, I I really want to see this. Will you please watch it with me? I would rewatch it. You know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. not gonna like deny ever seeing it again. And like if I ended up enjoying it more on a rewatch, that's dope. Cause like cool. Like that's exciting. Um, but I don't know if you could say that about your movies. I <laughs> <laughs> no, I would not shame you for liking lyle the crocodile or i still haven't seen it maybe i will don't i mean you can it's on netflix now uh, maybe i'll give it a he try. doesn't fucking talk clara you know what i'm not much of a talker either joe unless yeah, we're recording you... this podcast so <laughs> why sing then it doesn't make sense it makes because... sense because sean mendes must have sucked at voice acting well yeah that's probably the answer but also maybe he's shy and well when that's he's... what they're I don't when know. Well, actually, they don't. I'm sorry. I'm cutting you off. I'm so sorry. You're fine. So sorry. No, this is great because <laughs> I just, you're so passionate about this. It's so funny to me. <laughs> so like, it impl- he's clearly shy because he won't sing in front of an audience. Yeah. But he's not like, when he's with like the family, he, he's not shy. He's like taking a bubble bath and cooking, making cakes. Like the fucker isn't shy then. Okay. <laughs> I won't shame you for liking Lyle or Cars 2. I might Cars judge 2 you a little bit. Cars 2 is fine to me. It's, I, I don't have many thoughts about Cars 2. If you say, I like Cars 2, I don't judge you. If yeah. you're like, Cars 2 is the best Pixar movie, I do judge you. Well, yeah, and I feel like a lot of time people who say stuff like that, like they're just being like spiteful almost. It's like... It's either spiteful or it's nostalgia. It has to be nostalgia. Uh, yeah, I guess. Anyways. Weird. Weird. Um, <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Favorite movie in Spanish? Um, Pan's Labyrinth. That see, I was thinking about saying that. I would also say Roma. Ooh, love Roma. Um, love Roma. Um, I love Tigers Are Not Afraid of the Dark. Good one. Good one. Um, I feel like I had other ones. I was a big fan of Pain and Glory from 2019. Oh, that was one I wanted to bring up. So perfect. Loved um, Pain and Glory. That's a great movie. 
Okay, hang on. Oh no, I'm not helping us be brief and efficient with our alert questions. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Oh, there's this movie. It's on um, HBO Max now, and I saw it at Sundance a couple years ago called Son of Monarchs. Okay. I love this movie to death because it hits that little niche that I'm obsessed with where you're getting like genuine, true, like proper science in film in like an artistic kind of way. Um, I highly recommend Son of Monarchs, but that's definitely up there as one of my favorite uh, Spanish m- movies. Like Perfect. it's it's so good. I will also say E tu mama tambien. Ooh, yes, that's another good one. It's a big one. Someone asked, uh, what's the best LGBTQ rom-com? <sighs> I can think of Fire Island. Fire Island is a great option. Love That's Fire one that Island. comes to mind. Um, but I'm a cheerleader. Amazing. Um, I also think of like Saving Face is really, really good. Um, oh, I feel like I had another one and now I'm kind of blanking on it. I forget. Do you like Happy Season or not? I, I'm torn on it. I think it's good and like it's filling a, a gap that is desperately needed to be filled, which is like queer holiday rom-coms. Um, it's not my favorite in terms of the, the story it decides to tell, but it also is a very valid story in that like that's the very like real world experience of a lot of people. So like I think there's good and bad in it. It's like, it's like one of those nice nuanced movies where like there's a lot to chew on and talk about in that, which I really appreciate. Um, yeah. Okay. Overall, I, I enjoy it. Like, I, I didn't hate it by any means. Um, Perfect. Any yeah. other ones um, that you can think of right now? I talked about it in a different podcast, but I also really like Margarita with a Straw. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like that one a lot. Um, Oh, <laughs> what I also wanted to say for this one was it's not technically queer at all. At all. But Bridesmaids has so much, like, homoerotic tension in it that that could be read as, like, a queer rom-com <laughs> for sure. <laughs> okay, that counts. Next question is, what is our favorite Denis Villeneuve movie? <sighs> the answer for me is Arrival. Yeah, I kind of lean towards that as well. I... Or? Or? What are, what are, you, what are, you, what are you struggling between? That... Or Dune. Honestly. I love Dune. I fucking love Dune. Dune is so good. Still blows my mind that people don't like Dune. Like, I don't get it. Like what you like, but like Dune fucking so it, good. It rips. It's it rips. so it's so fun. I love Dune. Um, so it's between those two. Like, I like Prisoners a lot as well, but like Prisoners. My hot is definitely... take is that I like Sicario more than that. See, I still have to watch Sicario, so I can't. um (laughs) but i don't know prisoners is definitely one where like i'm definitely not going out of my way to rewatch that by any means and like blade runner um i did like blade i like this blade his blade runner a lot more than the original blade runner okay yeah i mean it's a pretty common i mean it's not like too out of a take i feel like a lot of a lot of people feel that way um what do you think of enemy it's fine yeah i don't love it i'll be honest like i I don't think it's that great I, i mean i think it's good yeah. For any other director, it's probably really good. Yeah. But for someone like Denis Villeneuve, who has such a stacked filmography, mm-hmm. um, it just tier. falls in the bottom tier. Yeah. yeah I agree. Like, just doesn't really hold a candle to Arrival or Dune no. or Blade Runner. Yeah. Yeah. So. I agree. Our top three animated movies give us a sleeper pick that more people should see too. All right. I'm going to list them off really quick. Please. Whisper of the Heart. Nice. 
that could be the sleeper pick. I feel like in the universe of Ghibli, people talk about Spirit Away and Mononoke and Totoro. Yeah. Not enough Whisper of the Heart. Love. I love Whisper of the Heart. Whisper of the Heart is good. Uh, Wally for Pixar. Mm, that's a good one. And if I want like a deeper, deeper cut animated movie, mm-hmm. I'm going to say I Lost My Body. I'm so mad at you because... <laughs> is that yours? <laughs> I was going to say that for my deep cut too. <laughs> uh, I know. That's why I beat you to it. I'm sorry, uh, but I'm fine, not sorry. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, I think for me, I would say Howl's Moving Castle. Okay. Um, Coraline. Honestly, I love Coraline to death. Love Coraline. Um, and then my deep cut, I mean, it's it's kind of a deep cut. I would argue it's kind of not also, cause, but I also think maybe that's just me assuming that, but World of Tomorrow, the like trilogy of that, since they're all kind of short. That's a pretty good deep cut. I really like, I mean, I love Don Hertzfeld, like to death. His, like his, did you used to watch his stuff on YouTube? I don't think so. Oh my god, Joe. His like rejected um series on YouTube. Like me and my friends would just pull that up constantly and just watch it cuz it was just like so like different than anything we'd ever seen. Like I I love anything by Don Hertzfeld. Honestly, all his stuff is phenomenal. Like obviously, um it's such a beautiful day is like I would say his most well-known work. And, yeah, like, yeah. That's like in the top 250 for Letterboxd as a whole. But like any of his stuff is amazing, but I think his World of Tomorrow trilogy is like top tier for sure. That's a really good one. It's a good Thank deep cut. you. Uh, favorite genre and why? <sighs> I think I'm going to go with, hmm. It's between sci-fi and horror for me. Mm. I think I lean horror only because horror can be in so many different ways, so many different interpretations of horror. Yes. I really like that there's just so many ways to interpret it. And there's been so many directors who have done different things with it that I really mm-hmm. like about it. Plus, well, I like the feeling of being scared. It's such a real, like, yes. a raw emotion. Yeah, that's good. And I mean, I've always, see, I have a tie as well where it's between horror and fantasy. Mm-hmm. And for a really long time, my answer was always horror, like immediate, no question. And then in the last couple of years, it's kind of shifted to fantasy, which is interesting because it's not like I suddenly started watching fantasy movies in the last two years. It's just, I think I was thinking about the question more. Like horror, I agree with everything you said is amazing because it, it also is just such a challenging genre. Like it, yeah, it yeah. challenges you because it makes you confront your fears, but then it also makes you question like, why am I afraid of this? Like what about this scenario or the themes of this are actually scary to me? And like, how can I like dissect that in my life? Which I think is so fascinating. I also think horror gives us the most genuine raw performances a lot of the time. Because yeah, good like, point. It's very hard to fake looking scared in a movie, um, but like it's very easy for actors, obviously, to like fake cry in a movie, you know. Um, so I think horror gives us a lot of really impactful performances. Um, but I also love fantasy because I just, I think I just really have grown over the years to admire the the behind the scenes craft of movie making more and like all the effort and the time and the dedication that goes into building up worlds that are not our own and like making them feel tangible and believable and like they're truly lived in and like horror touches on that as well honestly but i think fantasy is just so thrilling because it's giving us so much that is outside of our reality and like i think that's really interesting to watch stuff like that and then still feel connected to it somehow 
Um, so wow, I also, well said. Thank you. So honestly, so that's where, see, this is why I'm torn because it's like horror has been my heart for years, but fantasy has really kind of been something I've mulled over a lot more in the last few years, especially. And like, I think I would probably say fantasy at this point, honestly. Well, too bad I have to ask you your favorite horror movie right now because that's the next question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. What is your favorite horror movie? I have an answer. I always answer. Um, honestly, it's The Witch. Oh, good choice. Thank you. What's yours? Well, I know it, but tell him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mine is The Fly. Yeah. <laughs> that is my favorite horror movie. It's, yeah. It's a, It's nice having a go-to answer sometimes. I feel yeah. like, you know, I, I love a lot of horror movies. It's not like yes. The Fly is the only horror movie I like. No. Obviously, that's not, not the case. Yeah. It's just the one I... I watched at the right age, like mm-hmm. maybe my early 20s, fell in love with it, and mm-hmm. just revisit over and over and over again. Never yeah. get tired of it. That's how so. I am with The Witch. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, how do you feel about the recent trend of biopics, someone asked? Um, I've always really struggled with biopics, honestly. I, I find them intriguing because I do genuinely love, like, I just love learning. You know, like, and I, a lot of time with Nerd. biopics, I, I truly, like, it's actually, like, bad. <laughs> That's why I really like, like, science yeah. movies, because I'm, like, learning about science. Um, <laughs> But, so I love biopics, because, like, a lot of the time you're learning about people's experiences that you've never seen before. But then there's so many questions that come into play with something like that. Like, they're always inherently biased. They always kind of follow a similar formula of just the rise and fall of someone who's well-beloved most of the time. And, like... There's so many ethical questions that come into play when it comes to biopics because a lot of the time they're taking real world events and real experiences of people and manipulating them to be more engaging to an audience. Like, Blonde is obviously based off of a fictional book, but it's also not because it's based off a real woman. And, like, that's a great example of something that is not technically a biopic, but is sold as a biopic. Yeah. So it's like, there's a lot of ethical questions, I think, that come with biopics of just, like, these are the real experiences of people who are not around usually to consent to us consuming them as media and like using them as like talking points and stuff like that and i i do find something really kind of depressing about the idea of that of like taking people's lives and stories and like manipulating them to fit a narrative or just like choosing what pieces of them deserve to be remembered and it's like I don't know. So I'm really torn about them. How do you feel? <laughs> exactly how you feel. Super Yay! torn on them. <laughs> a part of me feels like they're a little bit lazy in terms of filmmaking. Like, of course, mm. an original story is always going to be a lot more exciting to watch. And even for, I, would, I mean, it's not, I can't speak on anybody's behalf, but right. I would imagine as an actor, it's a lot more fun to do something original rather than you know, something adapted or based off someone's life. Yeah. But, like, the recent, I don't want to say it's a recent trend. There might be an uptick of biopics, but biopics mm-hmm. have been around for decades. A long time, yeah. Decades. Mm-hmm. And, like you said, sometimes they're in good faith and sometimes they're accurate and have a little bit less bias than some others, and others yeah. are not in good faith. Yeah. Um, But they inherently feel a little exploitative, exploitative. Yes, yes exactly. Word to say. Yes. Like, you're making a movie off the death of this person. Yes. For what? Like... Exactly. Right now, the one that's really getting a lot of heat is the Amy Winehouse one. Yeah, which I... I mean, I'm very not about it. I'm like... Exactly. Like, we don't this need person it. 
had a hard life. They struggled yeah. a lot. Why do we need to be making a movie on this? Yeah. And it's like, I, I think my thing too, a lot of the time is if we want to memorialize this person's experiences and their impact on culture, let's make a fucking documentary. And yeah. Like, and there is an I excellent mean? Amy d- documentary already. Yes. It's really good. So it's yeah. like, we've got the bases covered. Like we don't need people like playing these characters or like another one I think about a lot is like, did you see recently how Pamela Anderson came out about yes. the show about her? And she was like, this sucks. Like, yeah, I like, she didn't want it happening and they made no. it still. Yeah. And like, that's wild. Or like the fucking Jeffrey Dahmer show. It's like, why exactly. are we, why are we making biopics about fucking serial killers and like yeah. making them like look hot and like interest? Like, it's just like, I don't know. There's, yeah, so I'm I'm ultimately not a fan of biopics. <laughs> then we have other movies like on the other side of the coin, like yeah. Spike Lee's Malcolm X. Yes, which is phenomenal and it's like so good. Ugh, it's so good and like I mean that that's a perfect example. Actually, I said in my review even like it made me kind of mad watching it because it's just like I think I was remembering what I had learned about Malcolm X in school, and it's so incorrect. Yeah, you know? like, so one sided. So, so one-sided and so it's like that is a perfect example of where a biopic is like a godsend because it's yeah. like oh my god like thank you like i'm getting like actual information from this that is important to know yeah i think when a biopic works to educate the masses on a public figure that isn't taught correctly or maybe not taught at all mm-hmm. is when the biopic shines the most yes but when you're taking somebody like marilyn monroe and like you said presenting as a biopic when it's not a biopic yeah. or taking someone like Amy Winehouse whose struggles were so well uh like advertised basically to the public yeah. there is like what purpose is this serving and i think that's where the issue really lies exactly yes i agree with that wholeheartedly oh yeah yeah lots and of they're thoughts. not going to stop like they're going to be no. coming forever yeah, they'll always be there, which I think maybe is that that's part of it, too, is like, despite the criticisms and the concerns people raise, like, no one gives a fuck and like, they're just going to keep happening. Here is a uh, here's a question we got probably the best worded question we got. I mean, everybody's questions were worded great. Yeah. But this person wrote like SAT format question. It says music plays an important role in setting the scene. Mm-hmm. Can you list some of your favorite uses of music in movies? Mm-hmm. or even favorite movies because of the music. Now, I wasn't sure if this person meant like the soundtrack or the score. What did you write? So for mine, I kind of went immediately to a, a very recent movie, but I think Ooh. Tar, there the use of music in Tar is phenomenal. Obviously, it's about a conductor, so like the music is like a given, but I just find the use of music in Tar so fascinating because like... It, there's that complicated thing going on in Tar where it's like music is supposed to be this like pure form of human expression and like freedom and like that's kind of the opposite of what is happening when Tar is at the helm of the music being played until the very end when she kind of has like a reawakening. Um, But it also is interesting in Tar because like the music in contrast to like the other sound design in that movie is so jarring because like the music feels very like safe Whereas, like, the rest of the sound design in Tar is, like, very, like, distracting and, like, confrontational. And I think that's really interesting. So it made me appreciate the music more in Tar. Um, and so I kind of went in that vein where it's also, like, stuff like Whiplash, where, like, the music is, like, in almost like a, a villain in its own story in a way, you know? Like, it's 
like what is driving our main character but it's also like what's kind of driving our character yeah like driving our character into the ground like battle against basically exactly or like sound of metal is a really interesting one because yeah yeah the music is such a crucial part of this character's life and then it's like ripped away and you feel the void of the music in sound of metal which i think is so fascinating wow your answers are much better than mine (laughs) oh thank you oh that's really nice so that's kind of the route i went with it where like because there's so many movies where, like, the score is, like, really... At- like, If Beale Street Could Talk is a good example where, like, the score is, like, it's so essential to really feeling the emotions of that movie, I think. Um, but I definitely leaned more towards, like, Tar and Whiplash and Sound of Metal where, like, the music is almost, like, confronting you in a way, which I found really interesting. Wow. What are your answers? Tell me. I'm excited. Oh, no. We're good. Let's move on. No, um- no! <laughs> <laughs> So I tackled it in two different ways. Okay. The score as a whole. Yeah. And then I also thought of it as in like needle drops, like one of my favorite needle drops in movies. Mm, that like I like that a idea. Scene where like I love this movie because it has this needle drop in it, or like it's one of the reasons why I love a movie. I really like that. Uh, for score, basically any of the early Spielberg, John Williams movies. So we're talking yeah. like Jaws. Yep. Mainly Jurassic Park is one that like. I just remember hearing the score as a kid and like the hairs uh, on my arms like raising because yes. it was so such a moment in my childhood. Yeah. Uh, but now I, th- you know, as an adult, I obviously still love those movies. Mm-hmm. The score, obviously very important to a movie, but I like to think of like for this question, like when is the score like so essential to the movie that like if this score did not exist, by these specific artists, mm-hmm. maybe the movie wouldn't either A, not exist, or B, be not as good. Mm. And I keep returning to Tron Legacy. Yo, let's go. The Daft Punk <laughs> soundtrack is so essential to the yeah, DNA of that movie. I agree. That without it, that movie... You know, I get it. Some people may not like it, but like I think undoubtedly, undeniably, you can't say the soundtrack rips. Yeah. It, so so good so true and that's i I listen to it all the time it's just one of those things that like it lives inside of me and i love the movie for a lot of reasons and most of the reasons or one of the big reasons is because of the soundtrack that's Um, a good answer (laughs) we're talking needle drops Mm -hmm. i love a good needle drop i should make a video on needle drops one day you should Um, that's a good idea tons uh I know it's cliche, but the where is my mind needle drop at the end of Fight Club. Yeah, that hits. That hits. hits fucking hard. Like, <laughs> that it's so hits. good. Honestly, anytime they needle drop where is my mind, I'm like sold. I'm like, this is perfect. <laughs> it is really good. Um, fun fact, I was a big Dave Matthews fan for a long time. No <laughs> so way. I don't know if that makes Whoa. me a degenerate or not. <laughs> oh. oh my God. Okay. Yeah. So in Lady Bird, when... Uh, Lady Bird catches her boyfriend kissing another guy. Mm. Her and Beanie Feldstein like lay in the car and crash into me is playing. Love Aww. that moment. Yeah. Uh, but the biggest and the best needle drop for me and for maybe for a lot of people is in a movie that you don't care for actually. Oh. Uh, is Tiny Dancer and Almost Famous. Oh yeah. I, that movie's fine I guess. Oh. You'll have to... <laughs> revisit that put that on the revisit list and we'll (laughs) we'll do it again (laughs) we'll hash it out yeah (laughs) Uh, so those are my choices yeah but yeah tackle different ways i like see that's a good question because like there's so many different ways to answer it and it's really fun 
like is on the nature of daylight in arrival a needle drop i don't know i don't think so um i think i mean i think the average person would say no of course not but based off the academy it is a needle drop. oh you're right because that's why it wasn't nominated for best score exactly wow yeah the opening notes to that song i mean we just saw it was in the last (gasps) of us i can't believe they i literally lost my mind (laughs) the the second the notes on that started i was like no fucking way (laughs) i literally looked to kelsey i was like is that on nature of daylight is that from arrival (laughs) yeah it was yeah it's it's a cheat code it's a cheat code to cry yeah literally like okay (laughs) amazing a few more questions left okay i wanted to answer this question because i had a good story yeah. Claire, you may not have an answer. That's okay. Well, Someone I have asked... an answer. It's just a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Don't tell me yours. Actually, I'm skipping it. I already know it. I already know it. I already know it. I don't want to ask this question Oh, anymore. but I want to say it. I want to say it. No. We're skipping uh, it. Okay. Never mind, everyone. <laughs> I want to cut this part of the podcast out. No one's going to know this happened. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I realize... <laughs> Oh, I feel like such an asshole right now. No, okay. don't. Because I also could have easily said something funny and goofy, but I was like, it'd be kind of funny to... <laughs> no, we're moving on. We're moving on. People are probably wondering, like, what was the question? What was yeah, the question? What, what the fuck are they talking about? Okay, the None question of your is, what was your, your worst day ever? And I had this, like, fun, goofy story, and I'm realizing this is a terrible question. This person probably didn't mean it, like, with ill intention, no, no, of course not. I'm just awful and I'm always going to make it into a joke. Okay. We're not we're not yeah. talking about this. We're moving <laughs> on. I'm not allowing this. Uh, do you believe I'm the so awards? Do you believe that award shows like the Golden Globes and Oscars are good indicators of film quality? No. 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 And I think this is a, I mean this is a great year to to say no to that. I think yeah. I mean I mean every year honestly it's a great year to say no to that. I think, I mean, as a, as a usual a statement, that's relatively accurate. Awards shows typically don't look at international films seriously for the most mm-hmm. part. They don't look at independently made films for the most part. And it's like, it really does kind of come down to a popularity contest. Or even if stuff that is smaller gets nominated, half the time it's not actually watched by the people who are voting. So it's kind of like... No, absolutely not. To tackle this question, I think it's important to to note that the films that are nominated for these awards are good. Are good. Like they are uh, good. It's not uh not always, sometimes True. S- sometimes <laughs> some sneak through. Yeah. I think the important part to differentiate, differentiate, how do you say that word? Differentiate. I think you're saying differentiate. Okay. Yeah. I think it's important to differentiate. It doesn't sound right. Whatever. I might be saying it wrong. honestly (laughs) it's important to notice the distinction that if a movie isn't nominated it -hmm. does not indicate the movie is lacking in quality yes absolutely. that's the important part if it is nominated that's great it probably has some great qualities yes but like if it's not nominated it does not mean it's not good yes that's what i think is the important part i think that's a perfect way to put it and yeah it's just I don't know. I and I think that's the downside of for a lot of people who look like the average person who looks at movie awards consider what's being nominated and what's being awarded as the best of the best of the best of the best of the year. And then they watch stuff that is definitely not to their taste 
or like is a little more challenging is the nicest way for me to put that and then they get mad and say everything the oscars nominates is boring or like da 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 and like that's not helpful either and i yes. think that's an unfortunate part of the connotation that comes with receiving awards and nominations is this is being called the very best thing and i first of all don't think that's possible to say about any form of art but like i just don't think that's an accurate way to try and describe film or to summarize a year of film in general so it's just like i don't know i i they're fun to watch like it's like the super bowl for me but oh like, for me too yeah yeah but they're they i don't overall i'm not a fan of them yeah it's weird it's like i i recognize their like do does it actually mean anything yeah probably not are there yeah. is it mostly like rich white folks patting themselves on the back yes yeah. probably yeah. yeah but like i do like to celebrate film and i like to yes. celebrate art and i think yes the issue with the Oscars recently is that they've forgotten that they should be a celebration rather yeah. than awarding awards. Like we should just be celebrating the movies and not so much like you get first place. And I feel like they've caught a little bit lost sight of that. Yeah. Um, so, well, yeah. Yeah. It's I, no, I'm going to stop myself because I could talk about this for hours. And <laughs> we have more questions. So I'm stopping myself. <laughs> yeah. So the long, the short answer to the question is they don't indicate a movie's good or bad. Um, yeah. and don't assume just because it was nominated it's amazing and if it wasn't nominated it was bad yeah there we go perfect easy question next yeah when you watch a foreign language film do you watch it in its intended language or dubbed uh Clara? intended language intended language now unless you have a, a something that's holding you back from watching subtitles then i understand watch it dubbed mm, uh, but if nothing true. is holding you back from watching subtitles watch it with subtitles yeah or i mean my one exception always and we talked about this before too my one exception always is like ghibli movies i'll watch dubbed because yes yeah ghibli uh, movies have actually good dubbing they have good dubbing but like if you chose to watch it in dub that i would understand that yeah they surprisingly have good subbing like they actually intentionally sub with purpose if that or dub with purpose if that makes sense yeah yes 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 um it's not like some randos reading the lines. It's, no. They intentionally found people to dub it correctly. Yes. Uh, yeah. But 99% of the time, I watch it in the intended language because that's yeah. how the film was made. It was made with this intended language. Yeah. And, like, honestly, a lot of the time, unless, like, if it's anime, I can watch dub. Like, no problem. It's... They, they uh, do a different it. story for anime. I know. Very different story for anime. But, like, if it's, like, a live-action film, especially in its foreign language, I have to watch it in its intended language because it's so distracting like watching a movie and seeing their lips move and what they're actually speaking but then the dubbing is like them saying something to like i just find that so distracting um so i'm also oh i can't do it also i'm a subtitle person regardless yes me too if it's intended language like <laughs> me too i am the meme of like i can't hear the movie if subtitles aren't on like, it's very no, hard exactly. for me to concentrate when it's without subtitles yeah and when you, I don't know if you notice this, have you ever watched something that's dubbed and then you put subtitles on and the subtitles are different from what the dub is actually saying? Yes, all the time. The worst. The yeah, worst. it's frustrating. And so I think, just I mean, ugh, watch just... the intended language with the subtitles. Exactly. And also just watch with subtitles anyway, because sometimes like subtitles give you more insight into what's happening in a scene than like you're going to pick up on. Like, yeah. 
Thoroughbreds is a good example of that, where I had, like, an epiphany because of the subtitles, like, pulling up something that was playing in, like, the background. And I was like, oh, shit. You know what's a really good example? Mm. The Last of Us. Here's why. Episode one, Last of Us. Yeah. At the very end, when the radio starts playing, yep, uh, it's an 80s song. But, like, let's say you're younger and you don't know. The subtitles tell you what song starts playing. Yeah. It says, like, X. it's a Depeche Mode song. Yep. But, like, if you have subtitles on, it says, this Depeche Mode song is playing. And then you know, oh, it's an 80s song. Oh, Mm -hmm. they're in trouble. Mm Mm-hmm. Subtitles are the fucking best. They're so helpful. Love them. Also, like, movies like The Witch, I real real world example yeah i watched the witch in theaters no subtitles i didn't love the witch the first time because it was really hard for me to understand Mm -hmm. second time at home with subtitles fucking loved it yeah yeah subtitles rule they're so good i watch everything i watch like food channel with subtitles i I watch yeah i I watch everything (laughs) with them it's wonderful watch everything with subtitles oh it's the best um yeah would you ever consider an episode on musicals? Sound and Music and Mamma Mia are my faves. I would love to hear you discuss. I'm definitely open to it. I like plenty of musicals. I really like Sound of Music. I love Grease. Oh, I love um, Sound of Music too. You like it? Yeah, I grew up on it actually. My dad was like obsessed with Sound of Music. That would actually be another good one for me to have said for like childhood music from a movie that like was like my whole childhood. Like Sound of Music was played constantly in my home. Um yeah, I really like Sound of Music. Um, this is helpful, too, because someone else asked, like, what our favorite musicals were. Um, I also, I mean, I really like La La Land. Um, I really, yeah, I like a lot of, I mean, it's tough. I don't go out of my way to watch musicals, I think is the tricky thing. That's my issue, too, is that I just simply yeah. haven't seen enough to where I feel yeah. knowledgeable to talk you know, an hour and a half about them. Yeah. Well, and I think my tough thing too, and you know this, is I get really uncomfortable when people start singing. <laughs> I like I I had I had to look away today a lot when I was watching the 40-year-old version because she raps a lot in it and she's very good at rapping, but it made me so uncomfortable. Like Wow. I just I have I don't you know have what a bad it is. Karaoke experience or what? No, not, I've only done karaoke once and I did hate it like profusely and I didn't like it. And my friends made me sing a One Direction song, which is fine. But I okay, okay. I didn't like karaoke, but I I don't know what it is. I I have like this weird aversion to it, which is also weird because like my dad would sing constantly. Maybe that's, oh, that's what it is probably. Oh, <laughs> my, okay. my dad was a singer. Um, But <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't go out of my way to watch musicals necessarily. So I think I agree with you and just like, I don't understand enough about like there's so much more craft in a musical than like a normal talking yeah. movie and i just i don't think i understand enough of the scope of things to give it a proper discussion at this point <laughs> yeah exactly it, it's not that i refuse to it's just i want to know more before jumping into it yeah there's also not a lot of musicals these days no there's not but if you want me to talk about sounding music for an hour oh i'm down i'll just sing my favorite things the whole time god i love yeah. that song so good it's such a good song <sighs> um this was a good question what okay. movies from the 2000s do you think will become classics and years from now mm. i have a couple answers twilight i in a weird way i don't yeah. disagree with that same with I mean, like it... like the the final harry potters i think will become classics one day mm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I mean, all the Lord of the Rings are from the 2000s. True, so obviously, those will be classics one day. Those will be classics one day. 
Um, Parasite, I think, will be a classic one day. Oh, easily. Um, anything from Jordan Peele is going to be. Oh, Get Out a, will be like. Yeah. In 50 years, mm-hmm. when people are writing like the 50 best 21st century movies, Get Out mm-hmm. will be in the top five. Ooh, maybe top ten. That's a good one. Um, personally, I think Emma from 2020 is going to become like a classic in the same way like Pride and Prejudice is considered one and whatnot. Wow. Um, I love Emma to death. We'll talk about that later because I put it on our revisiting schedule. But true, true, true. Yeah, I think that one is like gonna be a classic personally. Um, There's probably like some more like I'm sure people will say like Scorsese's Departed will be a classic one day. Yeah. And like Little Women I think will be a classic one day. True. I mean, which is weird uh, because it's been remade. Yeah, that's very true. But it deserves it. Um, (laughs) Everything everywhere. Oh, yes. You think so? Yes. I cut you off, but I think I agree with what you're saying. I like that we both were saying ones at the same time. But (laughs) I think Portrait of a Lady on Fire and Everything Everywhere All at Once will be classics. I do. For sure. Yeah. I'm like very confident Everything Everywhere All at Once in 50 years will just be like, wow, what a movie. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the Batman will end up being a classic for superhero. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Thank that, you. That and the Dark Knight, I think people will look back and be like, whoa, look at that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would argue the Dark Knight's kind of already there. Like, it. that's the tough thing is, like, the 2000s are, like, it feels so close because, like, we lived it. But, like, it, the 2000s are old now. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, like, I would argue a lot of stuff from the 2000s has kind of been cemented into, like, that classic. That classic, yeah, zone. Yeah. Do you think mm. any of the Marvel stuff will get there? Um, I think Maybe Black Endgame? Panther. Ooh, I don't know about Endgame. I just feel like it was such a moment. Like, as much, regardless of the movie's quality, the yeah. fact that they were able to build this coherent universe... Mm-hmm. And build to this moment with all these characters and all these storylines building to one movie. It's pretty impressive. It is impressive. Like but it's here, never been done in the history of movies. Here's my counter of why I think maybe it wouldn't be a classic. You have to understand the greater scope of Marvel to understand the true impact of Endgame. Like you kind of have to see the rest of the Marvel to watch Endgame and like appreciate oh, it. True. But I think that those movies will be so prevalent for the rest of our rest of time. <sighs> You're right. That like people will <laughs> always have seen them. And that's true. Like, just think about it. When parents have kids, like they're going to be showing their kids all these Marvel movies and they're going to be building up to Endgame. Yeah. And I just feel like, I think Endgame, it's achieved something that no movie has ever achieved ever. And like, well, that's, th- fair. that's half because no other movie franchise has ever attempted it. Nor yeah. can any other franchise even even attempt it. Like, yeah. only comic books can actually go to this moment. Like, DC had the chance. They, just, they, they fucked up so many times. Yeah, they've kind of fumbled it too much. Big time. So I just think, mm-hmm. like, I think that at a certain point, people will look back like, wow, they were able to do that. Especially yeah. if the MCU falters from here on out. Like, if they mess up and, like, whatever next big event they do sucks. Mm-hmm. Like people will always look at Endgame like as this like pedestal, like this gold standard mm. of look at what they achieved this one time. Okay. I feel that. Okay. I, I'm like not fair. a big MCU person. I know I sound like one. Right no, now. but I you know, I think it's so easy to just dis- be dismissive and be like, no, yeah. of course not. But I, I think I, I agree with you. I think those are good points. Um the other thing I'm thinking too for classics, 
and I would argue this has already happened, is mm. Pixar I, as a collective whole has kind mouth. of it's like the words. Oh my out. god, perfect! I think they've <laughs> absolutely become the new standard of like what is being watched when you're younger. Whereas like when we were growing up, it was like the 2D classics of Disney animation, which are all still great, and I'm sure people are still watching them, of course. But I would argue Pixar is the new D- Disney in that regard of like what we were watching in like our childhoods is very much what pixar is for kids now wally is a classic yeah finding ratatouille. nemo finding ratatouille nemo. yeah oh not cars 2 <laughs> not cars 2 oh okay well i don't know maybe we'll have to see in 10 years tow meter average intelligence <laughs> fucking kill myself I swear the last question of the night okay if you haven't guessed we're recording this at night yeah happy 100th episode Yay! Have you seen the Tron ride at Disney? Any plans mm-hmm. to visit? Uh, I have seen it. Yeah. I don't plan on visiting. Really? One, well, I want to visit. I just don't have yeah. any current plan. Like, I don't. Uh, sorry, I guess that came off like super cynical. Yeah, like I'm I never do going. Want to visit. I just <laughs> yeah. don't have any plans to visit because right. one, it's expensive as hell. Yeah. Two, it's expensive as hell. Yeah. Uh, that's basically it. Yeah. Maybe one day. I, I do want to visit it. And I do want to ride it. But yeah. it's also in Florida. And Florida, like, sucks ass. Yeah, it's not fun going to Florida. I don't know. Sorry, But I do Florida. want to ride it. It looks really cool. So cool. And I will say, like, I've been to, like, the Orlando parks once when I was in, like, middle school. I, I actually went with my mom and her boyfriend at the time because he had like a work conference Uh and part of the work conference was like um they closed down universal for the night for his company and we got to be like we got to go to harry potter world when it had first opened which was like unreal um but the the orlando parks for like disney are like really cool like disneyland is beautiful and lovely da 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 but the orlando parks are like kind of next level if i'm being honest (sighs) <sighs> okay I know. You, you shill i guess i'll go <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, okay well that was the, i want to go i do okay <laughs> that was the last question i want to yeah. go through a couple rapid fire yes a co-worker and i are in a heated debate what's better movie saw or jeepers creepers saw uh, saw yeah thoughts on nope the movie, movie. nope Perfect movie. movie. So it. scary. <laughs> Fucking great movie. Good movie. How do you feel about AMC theaters charging for better seats? Bullshit and anti-family and anyone low income. Perfectly said. Thank you. Someone on Twitter, I, I don't know if this person listens to the podcast or not, but someone on Twitter is like, stop whining. I saw that. Like, if you can't wrap your head around the fact that increasing prices for certain seats in the theater is going to affect families who are already on a strained income. Yeah. Uh, this just is willfully ignorant. Like, I'm sorry if it doesn't affect you, but it will affect families who are trust trying to have a, a, a movie night. Yeah. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And like yeah. movies are already very expensive. Yeah. It's definitely a deterrent for people for sure. Yeah. Like if you want to put seats in, in the theater, you don't charge more for better seats. It's, it's no. fucked up. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I got my blood boiling. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thoughts on Maxine coming out? Did you enjoy Pearl or X? 
Um, I've only seen Pearl so far, so that's my pick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I enjoyed Pearl more than X, but I love both. Okay. And I'm pumped for Maxine. Yeah, I'm excited. Can you recite the entire Nicole Kidman AMC monologue? No, because uh, my movie theater is a regal. Oh, what a loser. Hey, I worked at that <laughs> Regal in high school, so okay. it's special. Regal is only a loser for one reason. Okay. Do you know what that reason is? Uh, We don't have Nicole Kidman? No, that makes you <laughs> kind of a loser. Okay. <laughs> the real reason Regals are losers, they don't sell Coke products. That is so devastating, and I just want to say we had Coke products until COVID, and then they changed it, and that's I'm not over it. It makes me so sad. I will like, say, yeah. in my defense of Regal, <laughs> Regal, Regal's Unlimited plan is way better than A-List, because I can go to Unlimited movies on Regal Unlimited, and A-List is like, what, like two movies a week? Three. Three. Still, I could go to literally seven movies in a week on my Regal Unlimited, no problem. Do you do that? Uh, not anymore because of like COVID. <laughs> because of COVID specifically, I don't like to go very much. But um, in 2019, before COVID hit, I was go like I was doing double features like three times a week. Like I was going constantly. Wow. It was awesome. Also, they haven't changed the prices of receding. So yeah, they also haven't done that. Big so. dubs for Regal. Yeah, look at us now. <laughs> yeah, I regret calling Regal losers now. Yeah, haha. <laughs> Best Bond villain. Clara, you're a big Bond fan, right? I've never seen a single Bond movie in my <laughs> life. <laughs> we said hi from Vancouver, though. Hi from Vancouver. I like Canada. Where is Vancouver? Is it East Coast or West Coast? It's um right above me in Washington. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's fun. Fun fact, I have terrible geography skills. Um, I'm not the best at it, but I've been to Vancouver, so I know where it is relatively. It. Yes. Uh, I've only seen the Craig Bonds and a couple of Pierce Brosnan ones. And I'm starting mm -hmm. to watch them all for the first time because there you go. a lot of them are added to HBO Max. Oh, um, cool. So I don't have an answer yet. I'm going to say Odd Job only because okay. I used to play James Bond video games a lot as a kid. <laughs> and Odd Job is cool because his hat is like a weapon. It's like made oh, of steel, like a like razor. Like Inspector Gadget. Yeah. And you can throw the hat in the game. It's a one hit kill. Oh, cool. It was really fun playing Odd Job. Wow, okay. It was homing too, so you could stand on the other side <gasps> of the map and throw it, and if the other person isn't moving, it'd kill you. What the fuck? Uh, good times. <laughs> wow. Have you watched the Planet of the Apes trilogy? If so, what do you think about it? I haven't seen a single one of those. Very good. Okay. Very oh, no, not no, not very good. You haven't seen it. It's a very good trilogy. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> the first one with James Franco is easily the weakest. Oh, The Matt Reeves one, fantastic. Good to know. Two and three are really good. Cool. I think that's it. I mean, there's some more, but like we're, we're already at an hour and 40 minutes here. Oh my God. So this is like a really jam-packed episode. That was a good time. We're celebrating. It's okay. Oh, you want, this is a question I want to answer earlier and I, I skipped it on accident oh. and never got, went back to it. Okay. Huge fan of the podcast and has inspired uh. me to pursue film and podcasting. Oh yeah. Any advice to give to aspiring podcasters? Do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. Here's my advice. Expect failure. Mm. expect it to be difficult expect no one to listen expect mm. to get no feedback expect people to just not care mm -hmm. it's going to happen mm -hmm. it, you're going to pour your heart and your soul into a podcast and people might not react or even mm -hmm. care that you did and that's really disheartening trust me 
It is. Even mm-hmm. this podcast, which I love and adore, I want it to grow so much more, and I'm really thankful for the audience I have. Mm-hmm. Do I wish there were more listeners? Of course. I want people to hear what we say because I love what we say, and I love what we do. Mm-hmm. And it took me literal years to get where we're at. Mm-hmm. I'm at episode 100, and I still want to grow a lot more. Yeah. So my biggest biggest advice is to prepare for that Mm. you will be disheartened you will be upset and that is natural and that is okay and you can either do two things you can give up or keep going and if you give up don't blame yourself for that and it that's okay uh and if you keep going just know it's it's hard wow that was beautiful (laughs) i'm like blown away um i think my advice also would be really dig into why you think podcasting is the best outlet for you to discuss film and really make sure that you're doing it for like the correct reasons. I think it's really easy to be like, oh, it'd just be easy to put it on a podcast, da 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 um, But I think it's really important to go into it with good intentions and not like do it because you love it more than like the numbers kind of thing obviously the numbers are a wonderful part of it and it's very exciting when people are listening and like the fact that we have so many questions to answer right now is insane to me and like that's a cool perk to this um but ensure that you're doing it because you genuinely actively love it because if you don't genuinely actively love it it's going to feel draining as fuck yeah um i would say honestly find someone that you work very well with naturally um it's very obvious when people are kind of like awkward on recording together and I think it would be better for you and for whoever you're recording with if you guys vibe well naturally and then the movie part of it just kind of comes afterwards um so find someone you trust to do it with Mm -hmm. um and I would also say definitely if there's anything to invest like the money into it would be a good microphone yes (laughs) well first of all I was gonna say I agree with Clara completely Find somebody you trust and really focus on the passion, not the Mm -hmm. numbers. Mm -hmm. The next thing I was going to say, if you're going to do anything, invest in the quality of the podcast. A microphone, a quiet room, soundproof the room if you can. That's really like people like to hear your voice. And if they want to hear your voice, they want to hear a good quality of your voice. Yeah. Audio quality feels like something that like in theory doesn't matter because like you it's easy to be like what matters is what we're saying. But if you don't, if you don't have good audio quality, people are going to stop listening right away. They bounce so fast. They're going to go. And like, there's plenty of free recording software. Like there's a ton of outlets in terms of like getting your audio down, but to act like a microphone that is good and dependable is like absolutely essential. Oh, wow. We answered that really well. Yeah. I feel like we did too. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Aaron Megan asked Mm. about the favorite musicals. We answered that earlier. Yes. I want to shout their name out since they asked Hi. (laughs) <laughs> um do you have a comfort movie camille wants to know little women of course matilda's mine yeah that's a good one someone asked if i'm going to the oscars and they put an eye emoji <laughs> i'll be as honest as possible i have no idea maybe I, in, my, in my wildest dreams i am but i have zero idea right i hope maybe one uh, day maybe one day. maybe one day. yeah you got halfway there this time so i got halfway there yeah future goals for the podcast um just grow yeah, and I mean, you said it earlier, I feel like we've finally really nailed down a formatting that works really well and that we are, like, actively having, like, so much fun doing. And so I feel like it's a little bit right now just, like, getting to dig into that and, like, appreciate that and do more episodes like how we are right now. 
Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I want to grow. I'm excited to start the Patreon and go on that journey. Yeah, that'll be fun. Really, it's just growing, talking with more people, continue talking with Clara every day of my life, uh-huh. and then bringing more guests <laughs> on to get more thoughts and perspectives and feedback. Yeah. It's always a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically it. Nice. Okay. We've officially reached the end. This is like our mega episode, which is <sighs> fitting for uh, episode 100. Very good. Um. Oh, did wait, did you want to read the nice comments? Oh, of left? course. Yes. There we go. There were a couple of just nice comments, not even questions, just comments. I want to read them because they were really yeah. sweet. Made me a little emotional. They're all anonymous. Oh, one of them isn't. But uh, mm. comment one, my favorite podcast. Thanks for not being uppity about what you watch. Love hearing everything from Megamind to the Oscars. Uh, which I've always really prided ourselves on not being yeah, uppity. Yeah, Maybe about Cars 2, but uh, it is what it is. <laughs> I, got, I got to sneak one in there once in a while. Yeah. But yeah, I would say for the most part, I feel like we actively are attempting to watch anything and everything and then also watch it all with like the most open mind we can. And I yeah, think that's absolutely essential to watching movies. Like you have to act like that. Yeah, I agree. Comment two, I just want to say how fresh you and Clara's voices are. I struggled to find a podcast and host that I love that have a love for movies. So many out there simply sound like they hate watching things. I love listening to you and both you both and love your discussions. Aww. That was I really sweet. Cry. It's really nice to hear. Yeah. That. <laughs> uh, we love movies. And of course yeah. there's some movies we don't like, but we always yeah. try to at least paint it or discuss it in a good faith manner. Yeah. Uh, and not belittle too often. And you know, we may joke around and poke yeah. fun. Yeah. At each other or at movies and at people who love movies. but It's just a meme. It's a bit. It's a bit. It's a bit. It's a bit. We're having yeah. fun. We're having fun. <laughs> uh, comment three. Just want to comment and say I thoroughly enjoy the podcast. Along with your videos on TikTok, it has helped me, helped me restore my love for film. So thank you. I read uh-huh. that weird because I put a lot of typos in it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't write restore. I wrote resin, which is I, not a word. I <laughs> did see that. And I was like... <laughs> Huh, that's an interesting choice no. of word. <laughs> Amy Heron says, it has helped me restore my love for film, so thank uh-huh. you. Which is the ultimate goal for both my yeah. social media platform and this podcast. It's for mm-hmm. people to realize how great film can be. Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. Thanks what for a- listening. Thanks for listening. This is episode 100. After today, back to normal, episode yes. 101, and we keep on going. Patreon episodes will come out um i want to take this time to say thank you to clara for being the greatest co-host ever and always being available and having a good faith conversation with me (sighs) i'm gonna cry (laughs) i don't have to cry (laughs) i I, I really appreciate uh that you're always here with me doing this and i reschedule on clara a lot you guys don't know this (laughs) Uh, but a lot of times i'm like stressing about tiktok or i'm running out of time like rushing from the gym like clara can we please push it to tomorrow and they always say of course of course of course and they never make (laughs) me feel bad and i love them for that so thank you so much clara well thank you and i will say thank you to you because um i'm here a lot but all i really do is shoot the shit with you and (laughs) you do a lot of work behind the scenes that people don't see in terms of editing and like getting the descriptions for every podcast and upload. Like, I don't even know all like the true scope of that work, but I know it's a lot. And so um, thank you to you for putting in the time to 
we're, like take what we're saying right now and putting it out for people to hear. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> and thank you to all my past guests. I don't have a list of your names, but uh, I know a lot of people. Nate and yeah. Jess yes. and Sydney and yes. uh, Dylan and Olivia and Ernesto, Ren, my first ever co-host. Yeah. Oh, Lord, I know I'm missing Trin. I, I just did an episode with her. Mm-hmm. Oh, if I forget anybody, I'm so, so sorry. But if you <sighs> have forgot you, please know I appreciate you for, you know, being a guest on this podcast and, and helping me grow. I appreciate all of you very much. Yeah. Um, and that's about it. I think that's, that's good. it. Uh, if you all have also been a guest on this show, just know that I deeply admire you and I have like a friend crush on you. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> That is officially the end to episode 100. Wow. Uh, there's no real eloquent way to end this except, again, thank you to everybody who's been sticking around and listening. There are some people who have been listening to this podcast since, like, episode 10, and it's wild to me. And, and so wild. I really appreciate you for that. Uh, if you've been listening since episode 10 or episode 99, that doesn't matter to me. I'm glad you're listening. I'm glad you're here. Yeah. I guess I can say is next week we have an episode on something. I think it's um, an episode where I talk about January horror movies. Oh, yeah. I think that's the That'll next be episode. Good. Yay. And a Patreon episode on Iron Man 1 with Claire Ooh. and I. So, so cool. So those are the next episodes coming up. And mm-hmm. uh, if you haven't rated the podcast already, please do on Apple. We have hit over 100. We're 101 ratings, which is very fitting. Yeah, and, very. Uh, <laughs> Appreciate this. Again, thank you everybody for listening. And as always, we'll see you next week.